commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the right center of the galaxy, I'm Grex Comdack, and you're listening to Core World News, your whole net news show in depth coverage of all the latest stories from around the galaxy. Now, a new segment rundown for August 28th, 2021. Fistful of Beskar! And now, here is Ben Granted Adam, discuss. Alright, thank you very much, Grex. Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to another week of Core World News. We are in person, um, remote at Tashi Station. Uh, just, you know, bringing you all the Core World News from around the galaxy, as we love to do. Um, this week, in the news, yeah, we got the long-awaited second episode of The Gallery yeah. about um, The Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah, spectacular. I've been waiting for this one for a minute. I've been really looking forward to this. I loved the first one. It was an hour and a half long, yeah. and it was like all the feels. I found myself just playing it randomly for I my dog and myself. Specifically, still remember when I watched that one, kept checking the timer to be like, so when are they going to talk about Luke? There's only five minutes right. left. When are they going to? Oh, they're right. not going to talk about they're it. They're not going to talk about it. Yeah. And not only that, they're not going to talk about it for over a year. Yeah. Yeah. And we had, we had so many lingering questions like, is, is it mark hamill's voice is yeah you know how much is is mark in this process and how much is you know uh cgi and how was much that is, sebastian uh, stan yeah. we don't right. know <laughs> yeah yeah did they bring was in it? sebastian stan for this or are they going to in the future but uh nonetheless it, just awesome to see the insight inside look into that process into the into all the luke stuff um but at the beginning i remember them talking about the stagecraft technology that's kind of what they mm. i want to say started with in that that finale episode yeah and i found that that i mean that technology is brilliant um yeah uh, that a lot was mentioned there in terms of being able to create all these photoreal environments that can capture in camera, you know, in the studio, and just, and just how 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 small of an area they have to fill with actual production design elements and actual trees and things like that. Yeah. The the Ahsoka episode of of the second season and things like that. Um, but what's cool that what what they didn't mention is that it saves so much uh, like work and money and time in that. The, there, there's no company moves. No one has to go yeah. on location. No one has to travel. You don't have to move every department to another location. Everyone can just be inside that studio. And I think that was just something that I didn't hear anyone mention in the documentary. And having worked on film sets, I was like, this is this is huge. This yeah. is there's no company moves. This yeah. is all so in one Kathy place. Kathy mentioned that in this episode, yeah. right? Yeah, she talked about stagecraft for yeah. quite yeah. a bit in this for a episode. long time. Yeah. yeah, I love that they're finally giving Kathy your due and yeah. showing sort of what does Kathy Kennedy do. Yeah, and we oh. know it's a lot. I mean, she's a, a lot. super producer. I mean, yeah, she's yeah. an executive she's, producer. Yeah, she's allocated so many things. She, I mean, she's she's acquired so many things for these productions in the yeah. past and working with Spielberg and and, and so many things. And, and that means calling people. That means finding locations. That means finding props. That means finding prop houses. And that means that means just. That you have to find so much as a producer in terms of making things happen creatively for these these writers and John John Favreau even talks about that where he's like producers make things happen for us who are the, the creators they they allow us to to to, to you know, build our visions in in only through what they can you know accommodate and yeah so right it was pretty cool to to understand that she is kind of the the, the actual super producer mega producer of all time it seems like and yeah. the perfect person to lead. Lucasfilm. It's interesting. I just watched a, another documentary on, on well, it's a series of episodes on some of the attractions in the Disney parks. And so they talk a lot about Walt Disney and a uh, very problematic individual uh, for a lot of different reasons. But one of the things they talked about is like the Imagineers would come to him and there's always this like fear of what we could say. And half the time mm -hmm. he'd just be like, 
great, let's figure out how to do that now. And it feels like what that Kathy is, like Kathy yeah. is like the idea people come to her and and she's just like, not, no, we can't do that. It's more of like, that sounds amazing. Let's figure out how to do that. Right. And that seems like the Mandalorian is a lot of like, <laughs> they're never told no. They're just told, well, figure it out. How do we yeah, do this? We'll and figure it, out. it looks, they look as, it talked a bit about it in this. It looks as good as the movies. And part of these things explain why they're able to do that. It's an expensive show but the fact that they're not having to move locations the fact that they can do like they talked about running up and down stairs right filming in one location and going downstairs to whatever that lighting mm-hmm. rig was to figure the out the egg the yeah egg, yeah the egg and moving like literally just going up and down floors yeah like, that's all out, like took, running yeah. back and forth yeah. that, that's my f- the favorite thing that i know about kathy kennedy i know virtually nothing about her just all only what we get through things like this and, and other news articles and what she says in interviews but she's so logical and it's so her like solutions are so lean like not only are you know is does she allow the creative freedom and really put her attention there to empower her people to make the best you know media they can but she's just so like she's like and we're going to do it more efficiently than everything else everything's going to synergize with each other everything's going to make sense we're not going to run into problems later because we're going to do the i'm going to do the hard work now and figure it out and uh and it's just, I, I, I don't know, since she's taken over, you know, since the Disney acquisition, I've just, it's, it's been a breath of fresh air. I, I yeah. love George. I, I think he's a creative genius. and um, But he just doesn't have a logical mind. I think he's just a, a creative mind. Like, not that he's not logical, but like, he just doesn't think the same way he's a, um, yeah. about the processes. You know, he's not a producer. Mm-hmm. He's no. a creator. He's a creator. Exactly. And I feel like part of it was that I can only imagine what would happen if George, like, I don't know, in an alternate universe, maybe he takes half the amount of money but says I'm still on as creative person like I'm Kathleen yeah. Kennedy I feel like the Mandalorian would have taken twice as long to come out and been three times as expensive right because yeah. because George is very much in such wonderful ways that gave us Star Wars very much like I don't care about the cost just do it right, right. And, and that's a wonderful world but at the same time we are living in a world where Star Wars has to be profitable and I think she's found a way to make it profitable and which has allowed <laughs> so much more Star Wars than we ever thought we'd get that's a really good yeah. point. That's a really good point. What's most admirable about uh, Kathleen Kennedy is that she's not only trying to logistically make possible like whatever kind of vision has been put on the page, she also thinks about story and, and how yeah. long these, these ideas need to incubate and messaging. And and that's where, when it comes down to Luke, and, and was Luke the, the, the right candidate mm. to, to take Grogu at the end of Mandalorian, I think they all thought about this you know, with, with and had many yeah. meetings about this, and I think it did come down to yes, he's the perfect person to take Grogu because he's interacted with a similar, you know, uh, a character earlier in his life, and he's he's starting a new Jedi praxium, and he's he's trying to bring in young people who are force sensitive into the into his new kind of Jedi uh, academy, and I feel like that's huge. It, it makes perfect sense. It's very organic that Luke is the one who takes Grogu at the end, and I think. It totally got the the, the the sign off of Kathy as well as, as Dave Filoni and all these people who yeah. are experts on the topic. And it's it's so heartwarming to see that they're putting the thought into that and that Kathleen Kennedy is a huge part of that process of is this right and is it right to do this now? Yeah. yeah. I, I think I think Luke coming back in that last episode is a magic trick that we partially got distracted because of the technology evolved around it. We also got distracted because we were in the midst of COVID, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was experienced. We all experienced it alone in our in our separate rooms, and I mean us as like a culture, right? And then we 
we kind of dealt with it online as opposed to watch parties or what have you. And what I'm trying to say is, mm. and, and, and Filoni actually mentions this, is that he's like, there's no hiding that it's Luke in that scene. Like, you see an X-Wing show up. You see a green lightsaber. You see a hand. And yet I still experience yeah. exactly what we talked about. I remember watching that scene on my on my lips going, no. 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 It's got to be someone else. Right. No. No way. Like, yeah. And of course it is. It's no other logical. It couldn't have been anyone else. And yet it's this wonderful mm-hmm. magic trick. And I think the other thing I talk about is them, which I loved this part of the documentary, them checking Twitter and the internet every day waiting for the leak to get out. Yeah. I still really think that they leaked the fact that rosario was in it and tomorrow morrison i think they let those leaks out on purpose as a way to distract from the big thing because i remember mm. talking throughout the entire season going there's no surprises everything that we're supposed to be surprised from was a leak and they were able to keep grogu secret in the first season like i was so bummed and i feel like they were like releasing the pressure valve a little bit by letting these little things right. out to just these little distractions so because they knew they were protecting this one thing at the end right a little bit of a shell game like yeah. you're looking while well, you're looking over here yeah. we're going to be doing this stuff with our left hand mm-hmm. and uh and that's what it was yeah i loved it was a very intimate episode you really yeah. you know felt the connection between Kathleen and Filoni and Favreau on this like very, very important, crucial issue. I mean, I, I think they spent the first few minutes just talking about whether they should do it or not. Right. And you really felt the gravity of how seriously they take this. And then when, when Peyton Reed chimes in, you know, the director mm-hmm. of the episode was like, Whoa, <laughs> you know, like, you know, for a guy of that magnitude, who's, you know, got the resume that he does yeah. to feel. It seems like he was kept in the that. dark for quite a bit. Yeah. Well, it's like, until they were shooting. Yeah. yeah. They were shooting and they, and he read Plo Clune and he's like, I think I know what, I think I, that's a Jedi, yeah. right? From something else. And like, and you could see him kind of going, all right, fine. I'll, I'll shoot this, whatever. Just tell me. And like Filoni basically had to take him to the corner of the room and saying, <laughs> it's actually Luke, but don't say anything. Yeah. Like throughout the entire, that's the other thing that's hilarious. Through the entire shooting, they never broke secret they always referred to the characters Plo Kloon throughout Plo Kloon yeah throughout the entirety can we, of it. can we take three minutes and talk about what this would have been like if it can was because <laughs> I also wanted to have that conversation I, I mean been, uh, I would have been more stunned in a weird way I think yes <laughs> yeah because it's a deep cut yeah also his Jedi starfighter like barrel rolls and explodes in yeah. the prequel trilogy yeah, yeah. but, but I could see him surviving, sure. and he—he's got he's such an endearing else. character. Yeah, he's got a rebreather. If I mean, you watch the early Clone one. Wars episode, Plu Koon is just—he's one of the one of the most interesting, fascinating Jedi who really does care about the mission, care about saving lives. He's really is a peacekeeper in in, in all sense of the word, and uh, would love yeah. to have seen him return. Um, he's a mentor to Ahsoka. Okay, yeah. Yep, mentor to Ahsoka in Clone Wars. Um, would have been fun to see him return. So that leads me to the other question: Is Dave Filoni? has admitted that's his favorite Jedi, which was so brilliant that they used him yeah. because if it got out, people would have bought yeah. it because he's such a Plo Kloon guy. Secondly, they now have created digital renditions of Plo Kloon. Not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but they exist. They exist. And now we have an Ahsoka show coming. Is there any part where he's just like, should I? Could I? Like just playing around <laughs> whether or not to bring back Plo Kloon. Maybe they'll do a flashback with him or something in the, I, in the Ahsoka. I, I hope they do because for me that it doesn't fall under fan service and Filoni's perspective on this is obviously different than everyone else's, uh, you know, on every piece of media that he mm-hmm. makes and everything in the starters universe. And it was sort of sad to see him say, well, everyone knows that he's my favorite right. uh, Jedi. I didn't know that, you know, but I- I'm sure there's some hardcores out there. That, yeah. And it, it, I don't know. It makes me sad that he's actually following 
social media that closely to know that. Like, I understand you want feedback on the work you do, but it's like, it's a wretched hive of scum and billets. So, like, <laughs> it, was a, it was an interesting laugh from, uh, from Favreau when he talked about the internet. Did you catch that? Where he's like, if you choose to engage in that, yeah. like, yeah. like, like yeah. he's clearly a person who's just like, I'm not, yeah. I'm doing, but I felt that was very positive in terms of like yeah. seeing people's reactions to yeah. Luke and things like that. And how he would sometimes, you know, it, it sounds yeah. like he himself would even, Look at look up certain reaction videos to Luke and things like that just to see the effects of what they did and see them teasing with whether or not to start discuss toxic fandom. Yeah, that 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 was something that was very interesting to me was just uh, Filoni, both Filoni and Favreau talking about their reverence to Star Wars and Filoni talking about wish fulfillment. And I didn't hear the you know the phrase fan service uttered once no. in nope. in that documentary, uh, but wish, wish fulfillment, fulfillment was yeah, a which, couple times, which is a far less toxic term. That's the thing; yeah. it's the same yeah. damn thing. It's the same it's, thing. It's just it yeah. doesn't have baggage attached to it. Yes, yeah. like I, I Kevin Smith always talks about fan service is not in and of itself a dirty thing. Like it's yeah. not a bad thing. Right. It's why you're doing it, how you're doing yeah. it, that makes it good or bad. Right. We yeah. had a long conversation about this offline this week. Yeah. Um, which probably should have been on our um, no no Discord no. channel. We but, could Discord it, but um, yeah, yeah, but we just, we try and you know if it's we don't want to be. There's sort know. of obvious yeah, fan service, and then there's, I guess, more poignant, more poignant wish fulfillment. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And so fan service, I think, is here's an element that you've all been craving that's very surface. That's probably has to do with action or power or strength or or something you've wanted to see visually, and like yeah. that's basic fan service whereas wish fulfillment to me it has organic placement in the story where it makes sense it moves the story along and it of course that element would return because it's 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 it it's the most i think uh fitting thing to occur yeah Yeah. so you you brought out a good you brought out two examples to explain this to me because this was like a new thing for me or or new you know and it's it's nuance right and i think you said um luke skywalker and uh, it would have been Force Awakens. Being... No, the Last Jedi with Luke and R two and the Falcon. Yeah. That yeah, last... is, that is. Oh, it was Last Jedi. Was yeah. That yeah. is a form of I think fan service oh, that I think worked perfectly. Uh, was poignant. Moved the story move the, along. Moved the story along. Uh, yeah. and was fitting. And yeah. so it it checks those boxes. Whereas I think Luke. It, I, I hate to compare the Last Jedi and the Rise no. of Skywalker because we do it so much. No, but, but I think say what you're in say, the Rise of Skywalker. There's a moment where Luke kind of like gives Ray the X-wing, the uh, Red Five, Red Five, and he pulls Red Five, and all this. Ocean, it's just very easy. It pushes it pushes the plot forward, but it does nothing for the story it, really. It, it it doesn't have to though because yeah. there's no reason. There's no reason that she had to go back talk to for Luke to appear to her, because as we've seen, Force goes to could have appeared anywhere so to me the only reason why so here's the other element that i think is important about fan service reactive versus proactive fan service so the element that you're talking about from the last jedi just felt like because it just moved the plot forward it was there they wrote it they weren't doing it because fans said we didn't get to see leia's uh like we didn't get to see the fact that r2's ever saved leia's message right that wasn't a thing yeah but the, the toxic fandom were really angry at the fact that Luke didn't just pull Red Five. For, remember how many people are talking about that? Yeah. Last Jedi. Oh yeah. And then magically in the next one, we have pro we have reactively given fan service, yeah. which is mm-hmm. to me problematic. You've given that voice to it, so it just felt like to me like the only reason. But why it's, she went it's, back it's also the to idea that no one's looking. This. It's also the idea that no one's looking for more R two moments. I mean, some of us are, but 
most people are looking for Luke with lightsaber, Luke in red five, yeah. Luke taking, you know, uh, taking action in some yeah. grandiose way. That's what most, I think, fans were looking for in the sequel trilogy. But instead, you get this really intimate R2 scene with Luke that I think moves the plot, the story forward, poignant, fitting, all this kind of stuff that I think makes it makes it strong wish fulfillment. Whereas in with red five, with giving Ray the X wing, that's sort of a visual action driven element where it's like it doesn't have the same i think poignancy that you got with yeah with luke and r2 yeah and, i mean and, things like I that. Have... and it's it's highly debatable and it's we're not right in any way it's just we're using two no, little simple right. moments to compare i had I, moments I, yeah. of chills in the theater when that happened yeah right and i mean i have so i'm a dumber film watcher than both of you admittedly and and scientifically but you know, so it took me a while to sort of register and understand the difference between those two things. I mean, I want to get away from a lot of like, well, I think most people thought that because I just I, I categorically think that we don't know what most people no, think it's at just... all, and I don't think that the internet's a bellwether for any of for any real idea of what that the right. um, the, the the mass of Star Wars fans want, and I think it's sort of a bad sort of like way to measure it even though it is feedback that you're getting i think it's just sort of too toxic and corrupted 100%. by you know sad people to actually get a, a thing out of it but you're looking at different channels of social media than i am you know so maybe you are more tapped into what it wants but there's but no, a lot and, of buttons you can push on that unlike fan service and, and now i think i understand yeah. it's sort of like i mean there's a lot of different ways to imagine it like i do think that that ray should have gone to act two i think like the fact that she was doing that you very clearly understand where her headspace is yeah where she's like oh, okay i'm stepping back and, yeah i'm gonna and do I the that, exact same thing that was the, you know that she was taught, and it makes a lot yeah. of sense and you know I, I could imagine a really cool thing where you get a parallel to yoda and luke makes ray lift the x-wing out of the ocean yeah and that would have been a pretty cool yeah and but uh, she can do it on her first try and he couldn't you yeah know, like that's that's yeah. sort of moving the story along and telling the story and, and totally cool yeah things. and i 100 percent agree my, my issue is do not listen to the internet to figure out what fans want yeah. either way positively or negatively because it is such a microcosm of what people feel yeah. and believe totally it's yeah. like understand that you should have some reverence to what occurred before your story takes place right but at the same time, that doesn't mean give people the high octane action elements that they want yeah. from specific Jedi characters or right. heroes and restore them as the hero role in your movie and have them upstage the younger ensemble or the new leads to your film. Like, there's no reason that the, the, those, those legacy characters ever have to upstage, you know, the new leads yeah. of any film. And yeah. so you want to be careful with that. And when you do fan service, there's a very real possibility that that can happen, especially in the last yeah. episode of Mandalorian where Luke Skywalker shows up and you're <laughs> supposed to still be invested with, you know, Mando and uh, Bo-Katan and, and, and the whole crew there. Right. And it's like, are you invested at that moment when he walks on? Or do you want to see the next chapter with Luke and Grogu? Like, yeah, it's I, it's yeah. a very fine point nuance of what you're talking about, yeah. and I'm sure this is the type of nuance that Filoni and Favreau and, and all the storytellers and Kennedy spent a lot of time sort of parsing yeah. out. Mm -hmm. But my point with Filoni that I, I actually started making, but I'm I'm glad we went down this rabbit hole because it's it's very important. I think is that I want to make sure there's room for whimsy. So mm -hmm. it's not just fan service. It's you know it's not reactive fan service. It's not proactive right. wish fulfillment. Mm -hmm. It's just because I want to do it because I'm a Star Wars fan and I've personally always wanted to see that. Yeah. Because I think that starts expanding the scope of storytelling and 
um, I, bringing in some really great ideas. And from hearing Filoni talk about it, I think he's weirdly become George in a lot of ways because I don't – he even admits this a little bit. I think he's been so close to it for so long. He's more focused on what's good storytelling, which is exactly what he should be, mm-hmm. and not on what fans necessarily want because – he talks about these moments where he would just check in and see how people were reacting to the fact that Luke was there, that Mark was there. Mm-hmm. He mentioned that. Yeah. He didn't say, I felt. He never said, I felt that way. He feels like a weird, like, robotic, like, creative person who just looked over and saw that John Favreau was, like, having a moment, <laughs> right? Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's right. People have these moments because they love these characters. And he's just yeah. more of, like, I'm so focused in the writing of telling a good story that he forgets, which I think is yeah. a good place for him to be at because – I don't think he makes decisions based on is this what the fan wants to see? Is this what this? I think mm-hmm. it's. I think I have a feeling that when he and John were talking about Luke, there was a long discussion of is there any way we don't have to do this? Right. Like I think if they could have come up with a justice satisfied ending, they would have chosen not to put Luke in there for fear of messing it up, doing the wrong thing, doing his fan service. But I think that at the end they got to the point of like we need to close this chapter on Grogu, and there's only. Look at where the universe is right now, the galaxy. Yeah. There's no other thing that makes sense right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, especially since it's like the species that Grogu is is the same as Yoda, mm-hmm. so there's yeah. some poetry there. And, yeah, I mean, it, it does make sense for a lot of reasons. I think if there was any good reason they could have come up not to do it, yeah. they would have. But the only one is just like, well, he's like, we've already done a bunch of, you know, nine films about, or six films about Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And, you know, that maybe covered that base. Yeah, but, um, but it's also important to break the the wheel, right? Like to, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, you don't want to redeem every villain like we are with Crosshairs and Bad Batch. You don't want yeah. to have interconnected storylines with characters keep popping back in who we've right. seen before just because you want to create a macro interconnected kind of story uh, uh, world building, right? Like you, yeah. you, we shouldn't be dependent on that, on those kind of vices. Uh, we should because we know that provides stimulus seeing another character seeing a character from the past Surge. return again that's a yeah. big reveal that's a big yeah. you know their their entrance is there the return is, is pretty big um but i i really think we shouldn't forget what the last jedi meant which was let's try new things let's yeah. take big swings in different directions yeah and even though some people didn't like certain things that happened in that film <sighs> at least it tried to 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 rebuild what we what we love about a new hope and the initial kind of I think uh, they will feelings about forward. Star Wars. I mean, Ryan Johnson still has this trilogy, and I think, I think the overcorrection of the rise of Skywalker, yeah, yeah, it gave them even more reason to say let's try some more different things because yeah. I think, yeah. I think there was, did. I mean, there is some smart stuff in the rise of Skywalker, oh, yeah. which is Qui Gon Jinn resounds through all the films to the to the rise of Skywalker, and to me, I think that was he's a bit he's a character that I think was left out in a huge way in the sequel trilogy and in a lot of Star Wars storytelling. In that, a lot of people use the the template of Obi Wan for characters, and I think the template for Qui Gon Jinn is just sitting there unused yeah. by a lot of Jedi characters, a lot of characters, and he was a kind of way seeker, a way a pathfinder kind of character you know, on his own, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, and I think that's, that, that's a really inter- interesting element that I think could be brought back in to the, to the storytelling. Yeah. And so hopefully that happens at some point. Yeah. We may, we could spend say, a we whole, make the announcement now. Yeah. we could spend a whole <laughs> podcast talking about Qui-Gon Jinn, wink, wink. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, just to talk about that a little bit, I've been thinking about rise of Skywalker and, um, and the last Jedi. I have zero complaints with the last Jedi at all. Storytelling, yeah. anything. I just, like I understand and respect everyone's sure. you know story things, but yeah. like from my perspective, I was just like, it was a blast. I left there crying of tears mm-hmm. of joy, yeah, because I had so much fun there. And I think it actually, 
I mean, it might have pioneered a lot in storytelling in ways that I don't understand. But I feel as far as like Star Wars lore, it really just it I mean, it, it almost directly tied like obscenely directly tied to beats that have happened previously in the original trilogy. Yeah. And while, you know, the they, you know, the Last Jedi was sort of like a reboot. Right. And getting people to fall in love with what they loved about the religion, original trilogy again after a long, long time. And it served that purpose. I feel like The Last Jedi was a step forward to try mm-hmm. and sort of put a stake in what is going to make this trilogy different from other trilogies. But then I, I, I fear and the way that I experience everything that happened after The Last Jedi is that the rise of Skywalker gave too much credence to those like that toxic fandom. And it was really that was our first real run in with like, oh, gosh, there's like russian trolls that are just making people try to feel bad about everything they do and so disconsent and other you know other just regular sad people that are trying to make yeah. people hate what they love and you know we really it, it came to a head right there and lucasfilm i felt like the rise of squad skywalker had a lot of amazing things i would say yeah. i i really like 70 percent of that movie yeah but there was that, like there accurate. was a good portion of it that just felt like an answer yes. a response to the call that was all of the negativity from the last Jedi and that I don't really feel was warranted for it. Yeah. yeah. And it, and it came at the expense of storytelling in rise of Skywalker. I mean, JJ had these amazing, amazing beats for really the whole second half of that movie. Mm-hmm. And then, but there was so many just like it, I just didn't feel like the movie breathed enough um, to it's, sort of yeah. like at the beginning to sort of just, I, you I, know, or, I or really the... explain anything that was going on. Yeah, I gotta say, I gotta think that's the problem with that format specifically, uh, the saga films, because they're concentrated doses of Star Wars storytelling. Whereas I just read a kind of um, a Q and A with Kevin J. Anderson on the old Tales of the Jedi comics, and it's just filled with uh, with mail, you know, letters from fans about why they don't like specific issues and why they like other issues and the art in other issues and the storytelling in other issues. And it's, but, but, and then Kevin J. Anderson's reply was when Lucasfilm sets out to make a comic or uh, there's a publishing initiative or something like that, they hire a variety of authors to provide, provide a variety of different storytelling and genres to appeal to a variety of different fans. Whereas the saga films are just these distilled pieces that all fans have to watch as, as sort of, this is the canon, this is the lore. And, and then if they have gripes with it, they're going to be very vocal on the internet. Mm, and yeah. it's, it's not like a publishing initiative with books or comics where it's, right. there's different issues or different genres that they can be, they can, yeah. they can, be you know magnetized but, to or, or find interest in we're getting that way in star wars proper anyway i mean we're gonna have how many live action shows in the next couple of years like it's gonna be we're still yeah a year and a half away from the next planned star wars movie right yeah. and if you don't like something now like in the future there's gonna be you know yeah several disney plus series that you can invest your time in it's right. it's if you don't like something now there's going to be all types of different star wars in the yeah. future and it, one of those things is going to grab your attention oh yeah. one of those things is going to reinvigorate your love the weight off things because yeah. there's certain things that they've announced that i'm not super excited for yeah and that's fine and that's fine if it was totally like fine. if if, yeah. if it was just the skywalker films i put so much weight on yeah. rise of skywalker and yeah. last jedi and now if something like Rogue Squadron, and maybe when they start telling me what that is, I'll be more excited. But that's one mm. I'm probably least excited about, which is weird. Same. Yeah. It's like the newest Star Wars movie. It's the one I'm least excited about. Maybe I'll get there when they it's tell me what we know about. the least about. And too, that's part also. of it. But like, I'm like, 
I'm like, eh, I don't care that I'm not excited about it because I'm super excited for Book of Boba Fett right. and, and Ahsoka and, and the Mandalorian Acolyte. 3 and the Acolyte. I forgot about yeah, the Acolyte. It's going to splinter Lando, out right? like, and you're yeah. going to find something to love. Yeah. 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 And it is sort of like, I'm trying to think, but it's it's like a te- it's like a, a laboratory, a lot of these things, the High Republic yeah. and, and yeah. these things. And then, because it's like, it's hard to just like create a myth and be like, everyone's going to love this. Yeah, this yeah. is a, right. you know, legendary, yep. this is a mythological story that belongs in the pantheon of, of greatest stories ever told. You can't just do that. But, you know, they played around, they gave Mandalorian a shot and I would put this Mandalorian story just like up with some, you know, it, it became ubiquitous all yeah. of a sudden. And, um, and I think they're, they're constantly looking for the next thing. And I think they're looking with this great cadre of, um, writers and high republic and they're trying to see well whose storytelling is resonating what yeah. kind of stories are resonating um which characters are resonating and then that'll probably build into live action and eventually a feature um there and they you know they're really in an exploratory phase but again kathy kathy kennedy systematic there's a system okay we're gonna do this stuff with low stakes like you know novels and things that have their own audience and it'll percolate up and it'll turn you know and it's this feeder system yep. into their uh, new wave of and of, you can you can yeah. easily put the Features. star wars lens on any genre you can yeah. bring oh, yeah. you can bring oh, yeah. almost yeah. every genre that you love just uh, you know across you know film and across tv and across entertainment in in whole in a total you can you can bring all those genres back to star wars and I think that's what we're seeing now is a reawakening of specific genres. I think in the War of the Bounty Hunter comics, we're getting a reawakening of the kind of high fashion gangster film noir mm. genre that could come back in live action. I think uh, with Mando, we're getting this sort of bounty hunter, uh, almost kind of like Western appeal is coming yeah. back in a big way. I yeah. think in, with Real the Mandalorian verse, yeah. uh, the Ahsoka show might be very force centric, very, very Jedi centric. Very mythic. Yeah. yeah. Very mythic. It, it, we're getting all the genres, all the genres are coming back. So if you don't, if you, if there's some things that you're not interested in now, I, in the future, I think you're going to find far more genres within, uh, the space of star Wars that you will find. And that's what I hope people take away yeah. from it is that love what you love. Like, I was listening to a couple of Star Trek podcasts, mm-hmm. and Star Trek is not immune to the same things that Star Wars has been going through yeah, in terms of toxic a fandom. Time, they also really love yeah. J.J. Uh, Abrams, <laughs> I heard. Yeah. <laughs> but what they've gotten a little better at in the past five years, and I think part of it is because so much Star Trek has been happening the last five years, is like, tell me what you love about Star Trek. Don't tell me what you don't like. Like, right. like that's it like let's have a discussion about what you like about it and then yeah. we'll meet you there like you don't need to like because because what i was listening to something where, where this 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 woman just started watching star trek recently and she would go to conventions and people would start telling her oh you need to watch this and this and this which she's like that's super helpful and then they would inevitably say but don't bother watching this this isn't star trek and like <laughs> why have that added on why not just what? say you know what my favorite star trek is it's Deep Space Nine. You should watch Deep Space Nine first. Yeah. That might be great. the exact subsection, you know, genre of Star Trek that that person likes too. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the thing is like they're going to hire a variety of talented people yeah. to create a variety of different stories within the sort of mythic scope of whatever IP you love, Star yeah. Trek, Star Wars. Yeah. And it's just a matter of time until the 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 scope, you know, enlarges to the point yeah. where you, they get to your genre, the thing that you like, the right. thing you're you want, which that is you like, I think yeah. is coming by the way. I think 
I think the acolyte might please a lot of fans. I think I think fans are looking for more dark side mythos. I think fans There's are looking for looking lightsaber for that, yeah. fights, acrobatic lightsaber fights, and dark dark side mythos is kind of what I think fans are cr- dying for. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's coming soon. Yeah, yeah I think that's great. I, I do think that the um, I agree with everything you're saying, Grant. I, I definitely think they are going to explore. There's a lot of low, low hanging fruit with sort of doing different genres within the Star Wars guidelines. But the Star Wars guidelines, I think, are a lot more rigid than Star Trek, um, because Star Trek is kind of everything. It's much more science based than myth, you know, than yeah. than founded in myth. And then and all these really rigid, um, you know, borders of of the Force and yeah. um, you know ensemble casts and sort of. That. You wouldn't reverse that. You wouldn't think that Star Trek is kind of isolated to hard science fiction and can't explore other yeah. I was going to disagree with what you're saying, Star, but I didn't want to. Star knock Wars you can actually right. really take the gamut. That's a fan. Yeah, nearly, sorry. I guess I, yeah. I do want to reverse that's that. That's a right? fan reverse it, yeah. that nearly ripped itself apart because the Klingons look kind of weird in one series. <laughs> right, like that's yeah. that's hardcore. Star Trek problems. Are yeah, yeah. Next I guess level. I'm just saying. Yeah, there's yeah. like there are boundaries, like distinct yeah. boundaries. In, in yeah, storytelling yeah. within Star Wars, yeah. you you no. you know you can't just like change all the rules for one you know thing. I think, but you can visit established. But there's more flexibility with Star Wars than Star Trek. Surely to right? self promote, I think yeah. the Pillars series that we've been doing exists yeah. in any Star Wars show or movie or, or that you're gonna do. But I think those map on any type of genre. I think you can map those yes. on any type of genre. Absolutely, yeah. And and then I'm looking forward to that. You yeah. know that's. Before, um, you know, Disney took over here, you know, I definitely, I was like, I wanted a Guillermo del Toro Star Wars movie, like, really bad. And yeah. and I definitely was like, oh, there should just, like, straight up be a, you know, uh, Sergio Leone, like, good, the bad, and the ugly one. And, and then, you know, even, like, you know, we talked about Quentin Tarantino, some of, like, his sort of, like, pulpy things, I think you could probably pull in, like, a, yeah. you know, 1313 13 Underworld. That directly relates to our conversation, yeah, too. Yeah, so which yeah. one's weirder, do you think? Yeah. Do you think a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek movie is weirder than a Quentin Tarantino Star Wars movie? I mean, weirder meaning not fitting into its own... No, because I think Quentin Tarantino has the potential to write maybe one of the most interesting scoundrel stories. Yeah, I think yeah. that you could ever Tarantino put into a Quentin Tarantino movie within the Star Wars universe yeah. makes a lot more sense yeah. to me than a Quentin Tarantino movie yeah. in a Star yeah. Trek universe. Totally. Yeah, because you know he will respect yeah. the bounds of what makes it Star Wars, which is why I think he wants to do Star Trek, because he can do whatever he wants in Star Trek. I guess, yeah. I mean, he to might a get... A, you know a landslide of hate for it yeah. but you know based I, I don't know what the rules are for star trek like yeah. i i just know that they hated everything jj did <laughs> apparently he wants to do sort of like the like the doppelganger kind of the mirror, mirror crew universe. story yeah mirror universe story. i guess yeah. but i mean discovery's done that wonderfully like yeah. it's already done <laughs> yeah yeah no reason to really do it but um no it's interesting i, I, I have it's just i have feet in both worlds weirdly I'm <laughs> weirdos. Yeah, I love that's both. great pretty yeah. not equally star wars always yeah. first but I do think, you know, on that line too, I think um, Favreau kind of cheated because like his genre he stole was the same genre that George Lucas stole. Like yeah. it's just, it's, it's Kurosawa and Sergio Leone. And yeah. he's like, that's yeah. what I'm going to do too. Okay, yeah. cool. But he did it perfectly. Yep. He put it in a different section of the galaxy and it was great. I don't think we're going to be able to play those drums in every single series. No, I don't think. Uh, and I don't want it to either. You know, I want to sort of try and get out and try some things different. And um, there's a lot of room, I think within mythology and stuff that we could do to make it. The Mandalorian is the force awakens of 
Star Wars television shows. Yeah. Meaning that it did a lot of what the old stuff did, but it, it, it set it up like a real good, mm. like, this is the starting point. Yeah. Now we need the other shows to iterate on that and not just try to be clones of The Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful place, a beautiful starting point. Yeah. It's because of show. that, because of the kind of, it, it, it feels like it's, in a way, trying to be uh, a new hope all over again, where yes. it's like, hey, here's the Kurosawa, here's the Sergio Leone westerns, here's the World War II war films, uh, yes. all combined yeah. into yeah. what is kind of the the original formula for Star Wars, and this is the first show we're doing. And then once we get to Andor, we can get into the dusty World War II spy thriller stuff, Ooh, yeah. you know. And uh, and I think that might be different than you know specific things you might Rogue do squadron is going to definitely yeah, other be characters. like in exactly. those world war ii like yeah. fighter films i think that world war ii stuff might be coming back in a big way with yeah. andor it could be that rogue i just squadron. figure i feel like it's going to be top gun it's like what we're going to get for I rogue think, squadron like, yeah it did look it, like that yeah. the trailer for Which, sure yeah maybe a teaser yes how it's still wild how wild is it that in the first episode of the mandalorian it's like okay this is not boba fett that's not IG-88. That's not Yoda. Like, we're not going anywhere there. And, yeah. and then 16 episodes, only 16 episodes later, like, by the way, here's Luke. Like, yeah, we've got yeah. 16 episodes we got. We're not yeah, touching yeah. any of this IP. And then, boom, here's Luke Skywalker. But here's Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Can you imagine the, like, Filoni and Favreau walking into Kathleen Kennedy's, like, place, like, with their, their fingers together and being like, um, could we use Luke? Yeah. Her to me, like, that stuff worked more than, like, uh, <laughs> say, a Snoke in the sequel trilogy, like, I felt Snoke could have had a real backbone of nostalgia and legacy yeah. built into that character. I mean, it would have if they knew who Snoke was. Uh, yeah, yeah totally, film, totally. But I'm saying the Grogu and Luke stuff worked perfectly for me in yeah. the Mandalorian, which, which was, it's interesting. I, it's just the thought experiment of like, hey, what works in terms of bringing back certain legacy characters, tying it to the saga films. But that's really interesting, right? You because know? based on when they were talking about, I don't think they wrote all 16. I don't even think they had the treatments done before they start shooting the first season so i think i think the luke call was fairly later in the game because i think they were showing mark hamill stuff from the first season before it had been released so they'd already started shooting the first season right yeah i love that they were like they didn't do anything until they went to luke, to mark hamill yeah that Brought was a like a really great and point and then as soon as he said yes they're like we're absolutely doing it Okay, how do we do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, all right, we'll figure it out. One thing they didn't talk about here, I mean, they talked about the, the guy that was, like, investigating deep fakes to, like, oh, make I that happen. Noticed that, yeah. But they, they actually, there was a fan that was like, oh, you could, should have done it this way. Yeah, and yeah, that's the one thing. They hired thing, yeah. him. No, I know. They hired him recently, yeah. Apparently yeah recently, was, I mean, it happened after I don't know. This I don't know how factual scenes. these articles are, but recently there's been articles that there was a, a fan of yeah. The Mandalorian yeah. who created a, a, a Luke Skywalker um, face uh, kind of deep fake of his own that um, many people can attest to being better than the, the actual yeah. uh, face we got in, yeah. in the end episode and uh, I, apparently he's been hired by a Lucasfilm so I, that I tells think... me that there's only going to be more yeah. de-aging and legacy characters oh, yeah. returning which is great because yeah. Keith, I love Mark Hamill I, I, I want yeah. I I mean, more I, want I also more loved Hamill. how they broke down like I love John Favreau so, like, he's such a good storyteller even when he's just talking about technology because he's like there are three to me as a professor like he did it the perfect way there's like there are three mm. different ways you could do this yes they overlap but here are the three different possible ways you can de-age and, I, and I, i'm like yes like you should yeah. rule yeah. three 
in in lecturing just like in comedy like yes the rule works in lecturing as well but i just i love listening to those ways because there was a little part where he did talk about the deep fake technology and said well the technology wasn't quite there yet so there's a couple of little moments where i was just mm. like oh they're responding to the fact that they hired this guy they're thinking about it and then the last full 10 minutes of that series is about the real issues surrounding deep fake that are going to you oh, think, yeah. oh yeah you think, the like ethical issues you think yeah. media is bad now and fake news quote unquote is bad now wait in five years when you're gonna have when you're gonna have them people put in present by insane things because it'll be in, it'll said. be indistinguishable you won't be able to yeah, tell if something's you, or some, someone's being genuine or real or yeah. not if it's a fake yeah, video right it wasn't already and there needs to be some sort yeah. of regulation in terms of stamping these so, videos that these are real and these are fake because John Favreau is very concerned about a future which, where there's fake videos being shot around the internet of of people, you know, saying things that it's yeah. not truly what they. Which it's not. hundred percent makes me think they're going yeah. the deep fake technology route. Yeah. Hardcore because they wanted to get in front of it for saying we they're, they're doing the Facebook thing. We warned you. We warned you. Like <laughs> so yeah. some some speculation here. I don't think we'll ever get a Luke series, uh, mm. Luke Skywalker series, but I do I, I do think there's the possibility that he could appear in Ahsoka and fight alongside her. Yeah. Is really Ooh. this big. This big uh, a showcase of what they can do with de aging and, and, and deep faking, because uh, I think we need to see Luke in action next to Ahsoka, and it gives it it's just a brief it's a brief amount of time Oof. with Luke. Full Whereas a, a full series sexy. would be very difficult to do. I think a full a full series would be yeah almost near impossible. I think maybe in ten years. But Filoni yeah. low key suggested that in a couple of sections because mm-hmm. he mentioned when they were figuring out his fighting technique. Yeah. He said, we don't know who he's been training with. Did you yes. catch that line? And then literally two sentences later, he mentions Ahsoka saying, well, you know, Ahsoka is technically his yeah, senior. 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 Yeah. yeah. Like, so like, oh yeah. Like, like we know, like he's, he's dropping those hints that there is a Ahsoka Luke story that needs to be told or going to be told at some point. Yeah. Well, it could yeah. be, there could be a first, there could be a Jedi temple before the one we see in the mm-hmm. sequel trilogy and there. Yeah. There, there, there could be a lot. I want to know all of those stories. I desperately, I desperately want a, luke skywalker adventures yeah you know um show i mean and, and now like if they want to do it this way in live action oh my goodness with like mark hamill involved and whatever live actor they want to do and the deep fakes and all yeah. that i would i just really would love to see those stories because but i love the if the luke character so much and like who is he training with i want to see that story the weird thing is that they actually go the full deep fake route and this audio technology to me which is the most frightening thing out of all of it is that how is Mark Hamill involved as just basically mm. a consultant and writing off because you're not going to have him on set because that would give it away every time. Well, what's the point too? Because you don't need that for deep fake at all. You just need a, you need a guy who physically resembles him yeah. from head to toe. Right. Well, I, I think, think we're missing want... out. We're missing. We haven't talked about the voice yet. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's huge. Like yeah. we've talked about replicating the face, but the voice, the voice is now we've just learned that it, it was, it was also an algorithm. It was ingesting, you know, hundreds of thousands of videos of, of Mark okay. Hamill talking. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then you can basically input the dialogue. Is yeah. that what yeah. it was? Yeah, because it just has enough information. To and then just yeah. any sound. I did think they were, they were making an I error. I, this is I'm, this is just close, arm, armchair. This is armchair nonsense here. But it's like I do think that they possibly should have used just Luke, just Mark Hamill footage uh, around the time of Return of the Jedi and after, 
It seemed like yeah. they were ingesting. It they seemed like they were ingesting the footage from like a New Hope, yeah. and, and, like, and, oh, all, and I was like, "Oh, that's way. That's just not yeah. the face, or that's not the I'm, voice." Like you want to do. I'm sure they went through. All you want to just though. do Return of the Jedi. And I, think, I guess they probably they're tried. the experts. They're they the probably tried to do with just yeah. the Return of Jedi, and it just wasn't enough data. Not probably enough data, maybe, so they had yeah. to go in yeah. with old stuff because there was yeah. a lot of them also trying to justify why Luke didn't quite look right. I mean, it looks great. It looks good. It looks a lot like that actor. The stand-in, more like the stand-in. It looks a lot like the stand-in where I think that was the issue there was the deep yeah. fake technology that 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 fan had put up on the internet looks a lot like just mark hamill yeah. and yeah. none of the standing Je- yeah. jenny was telling me because i was like i have notes about all that and i was yeah. just like taking it she's like well because you know it's fake you're just like you instantly it's tough to stay in it's it true. because you know every part of it's fake and so you're just but like so you're it, looking for yeah. the seams in the in the facade right but i think we we i don't know i feel like we don't really fully appreciate the and they talk about it in the documentary is that the human ability the, the ability of humans to recognize faces and to recognize yeah. a real human face versus a, a computer generated face and i think i think we know what's real and we what, we know it's not real especially when it comes to a face and especially when it comes to an eye yeah. a human eye is lit in a specific way when it's on right. film it catches it's, light in a specific way and then yeah. It's you know mouse. right then and there the eye the eye and the gloss of the eye and yeah. how the light is, is shining through the yeah. eye that if it's a human it's, it's also a real the mouths that knock me out like oh, the, the, yeah, the grand moff tarkin mouth yeah. in rogue one drops me out of it every single time mm. i just stare at his mouth i'm like That's there's not different a real mouth. scenes mm. where yeah. it looks better than others but yeah there's yeah. like as human beings like it doesn't and i don't think it's at all tied to like intelligence or anything like no everyone has a bs scale because there's a bajillion micro expressions that your face makes every mm-hmm. second and people are just good at recognizing it so you may not know why someone's lying to you or how but you know that they're being yeah. sort of devious like we we're just it's just hardwired in and i think that's why like our brains have a tough time sort of radicalizing it like i'm looking at you and you're both blinking and i'm like did luke skywalker blink in any of those scenes like yeah. I, I don't know that he did mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, you know, there's this. I don't know. To to me, it was the audio because I'm an audio engineer, and so the audio is a bit weird. I I assume they it, had pitched him up, right? Like they had, yeah. And, and, but no, it's they, called foment, right? Yeah. Like you you um you change foment. I, I thought I would have hoped. So what they did is they they trusted the algorithm to yeah. to manufacture the voice. It sounded synthetic, and it didn't sound like Mark Hamill to me. Like I I would have rather they used. They had Mark Hamill do his best, yeah, and then mess with the foment yeah, afterward yeah. a little bit. And even if it's a little gravelly, because he's obviously an older gentleman now and his voice has changed, I would have accepted yeah. that more. I, I think my brain would have accepted that more than an entirely synthesized. Voice. Yeah, they better figure it out soon because I could I could ride with that. Like it didn't it didn't yeah. knock me off too much. But anytime you have someone who is not James Earl Jones doing vader's voice yeah. it does not oh, work yeah. for does me. Not work. and i'm like you you have a limited amount of time to get this stuff figured out yeah you better figure it out. in fact if you've seen the I don't concept know. Art, i've been working on it for a few years adam you yeah. know, there you go demonstrate if you've seen the concept art for uh for uh obi-wan uh there's some well we know have you seen the concept there. art for uh well we know we know hayden christensen is involved there, yeah. yeah so a lot of concept art leaked on the on the is on the it web. is it does it have my cool desert fire scene or is it no no it's more of it's more of a <laughs> It's shades of Rogue One. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Of how we're gonna probably see Christensen in that. In that Get also going to a sort of some sort of imperial facility of some kind. Sure, looks like he's in the tank of some kind. Oh, in the tank, like in Rogue One. Remember they have him in the back tank or whatever tank. He's just floating oh, around in there. Oh, so. yeah. So maybe Vader's castle, sort of. Yeah, I was oh, thinking we got some Vader castle astral projection. Maybe. 
Mm. Yeah. I mean, they could put anyone in a tank. Interesting. But... Yeah. Well, that's right. another thing. I mean, we, I mean, we Adam and I talked about this off air, but it's like you know, a lot of people talk about reenvisioning the sequel trilogy, but you know, after watching the original trilogy uh, numerous times and and reading some of the comics and how writers are trying to adopt Vader's voice into the comics and and, and match his voice, it's I don't know if the prequels exactly match Vader's cadence and no. the James Earl Jones cadence of how he talks. Like it's 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 almost as if Hayden's lines should have been more drawn out and he should have been more it should have matched more with how James Earl Jones speaks that the speech pattern you know yeah. what I mean especially by the third one oh yeah especially yeah. by that third one where it's, right. it feels very where jarring it's taking its toll yeah. on Anakin yeah so the story. you know talking about re-envisioning the sequel trilogy let's look at the prequel trilogy because I think there's there's some interesting work that could be done there yeah yeah that would have been yeah he right it seems like quite a jump from from Anakin, yeah. the Hayden Christensen. He's very staccato. Games. He's very, yeah. I think, quick in how he talks. Whereas yeah. when he yeah. when he puts on the cybernetic, you know, armor, it's 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 That's more drawn out. Right? Like yeah. we're gonna, we've had some of it in some of the cartoons and video games, but like, I don't know how much we're gonna get Vader in in Obi Wan, but we're gonna get some. So we're gonna get some like halfway point between Episode Three and Episode Four Vader. It'll be yeah. interesting to see if they try to make him a little different right halfway between that anakin and the right and the it's Canada. tough because do we want to see them interact again or do we want to see them maybe share some sort of like force vision and that's about know. it dyad like behaviors happening i don't know i don't know yeah. i mean what if they never you know interact at all but we do see them both sort of having this sort of parallel journey yeah that's yeah. what i'm Still, that's what i'm thinking this is yeah. going to be that's actually kind of where, yeah. when i'm coming to the show i'm thinking there's going to be a parallel yeah. story and more than they're going to cross will paths impact yeah. each other without no yep. right. dealing exactly. with the trauma yes, of each that other interaction exactly right. yeah. yeah that'd be really interesting yeah I'm, I'm trying to think of a movie that kind of does that but um they can actually do yeah. a lot of work about the flip to the dark side there in this with yeah. their sort of what their mindset is so they could sort of you know, sort of smooth that transition for right. Anakin a little bit so that the story makes a little more, it's not quite as jarring when he yeah. falls to the dark mm-hmm. side. Yeah. There also is some, there's also a journey for Obi-Wan to make. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which I, it's going to be the series, but it's, 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 yeah. you know, yeah. I think, I think Ian McGregor does a pitch perfect job of being Obi-Wan, but the Obi-Wan we see at the end of episode three is still very, very different from the kind of crazy space hermit that we get at the beginning of episode four. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a fun transition, and there's plenty of um, of Sir Alec Guinness to sort of study there and try yeah. to get there. Um, one last thing to sort of put a bow on this: we've we've gone through it thoroughly, and I've really enjoyed this conversation with y'all. Um, how after watching this video, how much Grogu and or Luke do you anticipate going forward in the Mandalorian? So, I'm, I'm thinking Ahsoka is where we pick up. Yeah, I was going to say again. 0%. Yeah. So, like, we're I not going to see Grogu again I think, in this story. I think we're either going to see him in Ahsoka more likely. My idea is that, personally more likely, I think we know that these series, Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and if there's a fourth series that doesn't seem like it's happening any longer, are going to culminate in an event. And I think yeah. that event is going to be surrounding Grogu. I think we're going to catch back into Grogu and mm. Luke in whatever that event series is. Mm. So you don't you you think the event involves Luke and Grogu? Because I'm yeah. thinking it's more and about. Ahsoka and... 
I, I, I would think that it's more about Thrawn's return to the galaxy, uh, Mandalore. Was... Those are huge, yeah. huge settings for the story. Uh, right. And uh, I don't think go. those things are all mutually exclusive, though. Because no, my no, thought I is, think is right, that's yeah. what pulls Luke in more. I think, I think, I think we need a galaxy. We need another war in the stars. Yeah. For yeah. Luke to get drawn back into. And what's he going to do with this baby Yoda attached to him mm. at the hip? Right. And so we have this issue of. I, I, I see no involvement of Luke and Grogu in Mandalor in the Mandalorian season yeah. three, but I do see involvement in Ahsoka and then possibly a kind of uh, a button on the end of Mandalorian where yeah. uh, Din Djarin can go just just see Grogu yeah. for uh, just uh, go visit. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and then, then, then credits, you know, like I can see something like that happening. That's kind of, but... I, as far as Grogu goes, like I, I think that he's in sa- he's in a safe place now. He's he's right. He's out of the the, the struggle of, of escaping the empire. Right. They so equated it to ET, and they're like yeah, saying no, which hundred percent, which I never thought about. Yeah. It is, it no. Yeah, that was ET. Peyton Reed in a big way, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was like, yeah, I wanted to be like, like ET. I, you know, I really like. I just fell in love with Grogu and didn't expect it, and I was no, just did. like, well, yeah. they have to bring him back. And after seeing this, I don't. I don't think we're going to see either of those characters again unless there is a um new jedi academy series yeah. with luke and then that, that, that's the only way we would we would get them because I, I don't think you know thrawn i can't see luke getting involved with thrawn i think like that is ahsoka's battle that is you know um sabine wren's battle that's you know ezra bridger's battle like it's just a different thing that like you, you it gets really murky if you start tying Skywalkers in there. Even I though I guess if... he could I mean timing wise he could sort of inter- intervene, but Yeah. I don't know. Where I... does where does thirty years leave Grogu's development, um, sort of mental development uh to you guys like He's what if what if during five. the time of the rise of kylo ren comics or the <laughs> the fall of, of of luke's temple but if there's someone who escapes with grogu right. then and there and that's a whole different series you know what i mean like maybe that's that's I, the only place i could see the story picking back up yeah. there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of just i think development that needs to happen with grogu that that's not as adventurous it's more of like here's the jedi you know, practice. Here's the Jedi texts. Here's mm. what we do here. You know, teaching him the doctrine, teaching him. Maybe he's not allowed to become a Jedi. I have no idea. You know, I have no yeah. idea where what Luke's doing with Grogu at that point. Right. But um, I will say about Thrawn. Yeah. He did meet Luke's father, and he True. is obsessed with Skywalkers from his own culture. True. But I, yeah, I feel like they're off the grid. Like I can't see Moff Gideon taking a fleet of star destroyers to wherever. Luke is training. I mean, I guess it would be Agent Kloss. Right. Um, you know, he's starting his new Jedi Academy. Yeah. Um, you know, and Luke fighting them off. But maybe. I mean, maybe. that would be... Oh. I'd watch that. Yeah. That would be pretty fun. But I, I've, I don't know. Like, is it going to... You know, all right, now you've gotten Luke involved. And so now you get this glimpse into Luke's Jedi Academy and you see... Maybe. Like, yeah. You know. I think a lot of it depends. I think I think they're very savvy and they have a lot of possible storylines and it depends on where yeah. the technology is at, where their interests are at. I yeah. Just after watching these making ofs and the first two seasons of Mandalorian and their plans is I, I don't know where they're going, but I trust where they're going to take me. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was just going with it as, as essentially yeah. I was thinking for sure we were going to see uh, Grogu in season three and now I don't know that I'm ever going to see him again. I have a question for you guys. Could could Luke have theoretically 
gone up against a Snoke type character before the sequel trilogy? Could could the Emperor have had more Snoke Snokes have you know sure. in deployment than just the one we know about? Given there are a bunch in two yeah. in, in vats at the end of the that would be sequel actually trilogy. really cool. And in in that in that way, do you think Luke's maybe going to have that sort of like uh, fighting the shadow type, fighting the foil type story where it's a, a sort of mirror of Luke that he fights, like a, almost like Logan or mm. something like that, where it's like yeah, a Luke, the, a sort of Luke. Uh, yeah, but that would be interesting because like he story. had the inquisit, you know, the Emperor had the Inquisitorius like at the beginning of the Empire, right? And then after the fall of the Empire, now he's got sort of these not an army but like these like clones of himself merged with luke and like right. that are snoke level power and when does like, ot bastoon get uh involved too? that's yeah, a whole other story but yeah. one thing i'll say is the emperor based on episode nine did successfully keep the jedi in check for 35 years hmm. there was no new jedi order right the force was asleep <laughs> right for a long, long time, like so, that makes a lot of sense. That it wasn't just this one character that he had a lot of these clones Ooh. or other people out there actually like keeping the force in check, keeping not allowing the light side to. Right, that's a really good yeah. point, man. I mean that that is a storyline in and of itself. Like, yeah. where even from beyond the grave, he's or in it on the jib arm. Right, he's still actually managing to lead the Sith over the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. that kind of gives way to the theory I have that Thrawn is gonna be more. Uh, anti-hero or, or a part of the I, hero yeah. ensemble yeah, than I we think, think. I think, I think he call. might be like, hey, there's there's the the unending current of the um, of the the first order and this the the contingency plan that yeah. is going to overwhelm all of us if we don't right. take action now. And is he more in, like, in, in my way and in going you know doing it my yeah, way because if we don't do it my way, it's going to end catastrophic. He'll be lawful evil and the emperor's. Yeah chaotic evil or neutral evil or maybe he's neutral do you know what i'm saying yeah, like, yeah. i feel like yeah, I, no, I, I mean the emperor is lawful evil and then thrawn is chaotic right i guess or yeah. like neutral i don't yeah, see yeah, him yeah. as yeah chaotic neutral i don't know because i he's almost we, neutral we know yeah. that like lawful neutral yeah, from lawful the recent neutral, like thrawn books that the emperor's was already dabbling in the unknown regions with the chiss ascendancy gosh since since the the Empire started, right? Since yeah. the beginning of the but Empire? Even before, because it was before right. Luke or before Anakin well, it was right fell. When Anakin when Anakin was over there, it was just at the end of the Clone Wars. Yeah. And then I think like the next books were sort of like right after. Right. So um but yeah, so there might you know uh, and in all those books though, Thrawn is the hero. Like I don't care what anyone's saying. Like he's a person you root for. And he he's a protagonist for sure. He's a protagonist, yeah. you know, yeah. and and he's not in Rebels, like he's an antagonist in Rebels, but um, I could see them sort of coming together. And but he's not like a tent, like finger tenting evil. No, in no. Rebels, he's just he believes he's a believer, right? Yeah. And like, and he's a tactician, and he's a tactician he just wants to win, and that can change, right? We see that a lot. Yeah. If, if any character can flip, it's because he decides to believe in. And that, I'm hoping else. they really play to that too, where there's this kind of. Uh, there's this fragile relationship between him and the the first order the makings of the first order and the contingency plan mm. where maybe they're they're in league in this to start but then at the very end of this arc maybe on a soaker or this culminating event in mandalorian maybe all the shoes drop all the you know all the cards fold in and uh and you get 
you you think that the the first the first order and contingency plan have the upper hand, but then Thrawn you know reveals he has the upper hand. He upper hand. He's yeah. been he's been stacking his deck to, to 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 counteract whatever this this final betrayal is from the people he's in league with, right. and then they counteract with hey we have all the Sith you know Arcana and magic behind us as well. So there's no way you can defeat us, and that would be a really fun way to go back and forth with who's got the upper hand at the end of this thing and who's yeah. going to, who's the arch villain and, right. and it's Palpatine. I mean, we already know the problem with yeah. these, these shows is we already right. know yeah, the yeah. end and yeah. it's kind of, yeah, that's that. that but we, that would be a fun journey, you know, to sort of backfill, that's you know, yeah. like the last, essentially the rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. with 30 years of like, 30 of years. Yeah. Battles yeah, and wars and, you know, uh, wars in the stars and factions and Jedi and yeah. Sith uprisings and clone Sith armies and, yeah, and new Jedi outposts mm-hmm. and school uh, schools and yeah, yeah. I have no doubt at some point we're gonna get episodes six point two, six point five, and six point seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because like, there's still a lot of people loyal to the Empire in that time, yeah. and you're fighting or, loyalists or, to them, yeah. essentially, or the Chinsenzi, or yeah. the not the Yuuzhan Vong, but yeah. some version of that, right? Like. You could very easily say that that's fascinating because I was just thinking like, hey, how would Palpatine like counter? How would he? What would be the counterplay against the Thrawn's return and whatever you know armaments he brings to the table? Maybe Palpatine makes dealings with some sort of alien species that's outside the galaxy, yeah. and they come in and wreak yeah. havoc. Like, yeah, sure, like makes sense. Honestly, it could yeah. work perfectly within that span of thirty years. Like, yeah. it's a lot of time. Or he yeah. mobilizes other entities in, in the unknown regions yeah. Sure. Yeah. against and, and actually sort of leads them against a chiss where it, gives them the tactical advantage they never had as a part forcing Thrawn to retreat from the galaxy and, and return home or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or you tell a mirror story of the Nihil. Right? Like it would make sense that the Nihil or or something like the Nihil would also develop in the new Republic era. Right? Like the pi- the space yeah. pirates. Yeah. The space pirates operated so well during the during the Empire because the Empire just didn't care and didn't pay attention to that. And now right. that you have this, like it would make sense that there's a pirate wars that happen. Maybe yeah. that happens ten years after, and then mm-hmm. the Yuuzhan Vong happens twenty years after. Like you, there's mm-hmm. so much, right. like it's you said, backfilling you could fill in to tell like ten movies with Luke, Leia, Han, Lando, Chewie, all of our fans, wow. and other characters as well. I know most people out there, our listeners, are probably like, "There's no way the Yuuzhan Vong are coming no, back." No, no. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I'm with you. I also probably wouldn't like to see their return, but I'm just using nonetheless. Short, I'm using a shorthand. I don't want yeah, that a lot of legends is coming back into the fold, and it's just it is one element I, that's out there, which is using a species outside a new a civilization outside the galaxy to come into the galaxy and to cause conflict. So we're just using that wrong. as the kind of idea exactly. that probably won't happen. It's a great idea on paper, not well yeah. executed, and I think the, I think it's a really interesting foil for the Jedi for the New Republic. It would, you know, just use that, you know, kernel of an idea and wipe everything else out <laughs> yeah. from that. But I think yeah. there's something there. There's definitely something there. Yeah, I'm it's... using use on Vogue as a shorthand. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I think it's just, <laughs> just want to clarify that. Okay, well, I think uh, we have covered a lot of ground here. <laughs> I'd say so. And um, I think we're going to just wrap it up right there. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening to us. Uh, this has been so fun uh, personally to be in the same room. Um, with my guys yeah. again, um, talking about Star Wars. It's just a blast. Uh, we've got a lot of good stuff, new content to look forward to in the future. So um, good for us. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And thank you very much for listening um, to people from all over the world, as I just discovered there. A lot of Texans. 
We shout yeah. out Texas today. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people from Texas listening to us. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Cool. It's hot down there. You're in your air-conditioned car. I yeah. totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. The podcasts. Dig on some Star Wars. It's great. We, we, uh, we... You welcome are, people from, friends, yeah, from... We're friends to all listeners. Anywhere. Yeah. All are welcome. Um, absolutely. So, thanks very much. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. May the Force be with you. Always. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you always. Yeah.